0: Would you please open your Bibles uh, to the book of Daniel? In chapter 2 this morning, I already ask you to pray because there's 49 verses in that chapter. And I can preach for an hour on one verse, sadly. Um, so this will be Daniel chapter 2. The, the title of the message today, and I, I, I hope and pray you can see that it's coming from the text itself. Know and trust the God who knows and controls the future by His sovereign grace. Last Sunday we learned that God is sovereign over all earthly powers and He gives sovereign grace to save and sustain and empower His people to live for His purposes and for His glory whether they're threatened with temptation. So remember, here's the peril of living in the United States. Persecution is raising its head more and more the peril right now for the United States believer is seduction it's 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 being tempted to believe you can find satisfaction in something or someone other than Jesus but but Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they 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 had to deal with temptation for pleasure for sure but they had to deal daily with the threat of persecution And so God's sovereign grace saves us and sustains us and empowers us to live for His purposes and glory. Well, this morning, we're joining Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego at another crossroads in their lives. And this crossroads is calling for them to once again know and trust and obey the God who reigns over all, even when faced with an uncertain future that threatened their very lives as well as the lives of the unbelievers around them. So I'm going to try to read and fast forward. Okay, are you ready? So would you turn with me to Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to try to read more quickly and up tempo, but let's, let's just remember what we're reading. We serve a God who loves to reveal His heart to people. And He does it preeminently through His Word. And so we're turning to his inerrant and inspired and sufficient and authoritative word in Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb." and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you're just trying to gain time. Because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. Well, the Romans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. And then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the king, to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? When Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house, made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, i.e. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions. And he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon, And then the mystery was revealed to Daniel In a vision of the night, and then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Oh, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. And therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed, to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he went in and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation." Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king and in haste and and, and thus said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who would make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. That's what they named Daniel. Are you able to make known to me the dream that I've seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. Uh, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries may known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that, got to love this humility, any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. of iron and clay, and it broke them in pieces. And then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold, all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image, oh, that became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. To you, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hands he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of men, the beasts of the field, and the birds of heavens, making you rule over them, you are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong, partly brittle, as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay. So they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And the days of those things, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron and the bronze and the clay, the silver and the gold, a great, God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. And then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you have been able to reveal this mystery and then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler of the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon and Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon but Daniel remained at the king's court Heavenly Father it's a a mouthful. but We're so thankful that every word was inspired by you. And now God, we pray for the understanding. God, we don't want to be just academic learners of your word. We want to know and trust the God who knows all things and controls all things. With His sovereign grace. So, would you speak to our hearts and change us today? In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how how do you respond to an uncertain future that appears to threaten your happiness, appears to threaten your health, appears to threaten your job? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your ministry. How do you respond to an uncertain future that appears to threaten your ability to stay in control? I don't know about you. I tend to find some weird warped security in trying to control my world. (laughs) It's the weirdest thing. It's the most insecure security in the world. And when someone or something is introduced into my life that requires a change my character, or for me to change my plans or change my routine, I don't often respond very well. In fact, let's dig a little deeper. How do you tend to treat other people when you're faced with an uncertain future that appears threatening for all that we've just mentioned, all the little, little things we've just mentioned? Let's dig deeper still. How devoted are we? To continue to live on mission for making God's glory known through making disciples when we're threatened with an uncertain future. It's so easy to hit the pause button on living for mission because I'm worried about something of earthly realms. Do you respond with faith in God and love for others? That's the biblical response, isn't it? Faced with an uncertain future that's threatening a lot of stuff in my life, faith in God, love for others. Oh, Lord, I want to respond more that way. I'll be honest with you, I don't often respond in faith. And I've often noticed when I don't respond in faith, I don't really respond much in love either. I mentioned that I've been battling some health issues recently that put me in a position of responding to a future that could be very threatening. I already have a precancerous condition in my esophagus caused by years of reflux, just unrelenting reflux. Medication has kept it under control, but over the last few months, it's stopped working. And now every time I feel the burn, every time I'm hoarse because the reflux is wearing at my focal cords, every time I'm blowing my nose for what seems like the hundredth time in a day, because did you know reflux produces excessive phlegm? I know a lot about reflux. I just don't know how to make it Stop. I wonder how it's affecting my already damaged esophagus. And then, you know what, for me, it's just a hop, skip, and jump away from planning my funeral. I mean, I don't know if you do that. You get a sniffle and you begin to wonder, which son should I leave this to? I mean, it's, oh my goodness. And then this morning I get a call from my son, Micah, who says, Dad, would you pray? We're on the way to the hospital with our one month old baby girl. Uh, She's got a lump that's grown fast and the doctors are concerned about what it's about. Uh, So would you be praying? I kinda like that little girl. Well, how do you respond? So that's, it's not just an issue of, of faith, it's an issue of love. Ask Jan how I respond. I tend to go silent. I don't know about you. I tend to pull back. I tend to withdraw. Until she asks me what's wrong. And then I tend to respond with impatience and anger. It's been said that hurting people tend to hurt other people. Worried people tend to wound other people. When I was studying Daniel 2, I've got to be honest with you. I'm looking at... There's, two, there's three figures in this, in this chapter. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I want to draw most of your attention to him today. And then there's Nebuchadnezzar. And then there's Daniel. And what a horrible thing for a pastor to have to say. The Lord showed me I have more in common with Nebuchadnezzar than I do with Daniel. And I'm asking God for grace to change that because... I don't want to excuse the fact that I might have an health, a health issue and so suddenly I don't have to be obedient in the way I treat other people. I, I pull the excuse card. Guys, I don't know about you. When you're worried or fearful, it's just so easy to give yourself a pass in being angry or embittered or impatient with people. Oh, I don't want to do that. I want to live in faith. And love about the future. You know, Tim Keller, I'm better understanding what Keller said. You know, he's fighting pancreatic cancer. And and people will come up to Tim Keller and they'll say, how are you doing with your battle with cancer? And Keller will be very gracious and he'll tell people, you know what, thank you for caring about my battle with cancer. But can I really be honest with you? My battle is not really with cancer. My battle is a battle of faith. I would. I'd love to have you help me keep believing that God is good, that God is sovereign, God is gracious, that God's purposes cannot be stopped, and that I'm secure in His nail scarred hands. Will you? That's the battle you most need to help me fight. And don't really. Couldn't all of us just raise our hand this morning and say, "That's me too. I'm I'm there. I'm there, Tim." It's a faith battle I most need help with. Thank God, Phil, thank you for helping me with my health. It's so cool. I go to Phil, so Phil helps me with my health, but Phil also, he just, Phil has this wonderful way, because this is, when when I take my eyes off Jesus and I'm not walking in faith in the God who knows all things and controls all things by his sovereign grace, this is where I go. So Phil's just constantly doing this. I want to be more like Phil. Isn't that what, what, what a family of believers is supposed to do for each other? Keep lifting. And no, parent, I didn't show, parents, don't you love to do that with your kids? Wait, come on, look, look up, look up. That's what this chapter is intending us to do. Main point this morning is this, when threatened by an uncertain future, know and trust the Lord who not only knows the future, but he controls the future. By his sovereign grace and just for those of you listen oh I wish sometimes there's times I wish I get up here and I just wish I wish I could just have a cup of coffee individually with each one of you just to say what things are threatening to you right now and are you tempted to think that an answer to your problem is what's going to save you from worrying do answers to problems save you from worrying no you know what saves you from worrying is knowing the one who knows all the answers. That's, and that's, that, So that's where we're going with this today. And, and in knowing the one who knows all the answers, we stay in step with him in serving the one who knows all the answers. So let's, let's dig in. First point is there's a dream that threatened the future of Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. Right, both of them are being threatened here. This is about two years into Nebuchadnezzar's reign. This is about this is the 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 scholars think this is uh, this is just after this deprogramming and reprogramming time where uh, Babylon was trying to assimilate Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego into really being conformed into Babylonians. Right instead of uh, remembering their identity as believers in the one true God. History tells us Nebuchadnezzar was facing an enemy to his west that was something of a pest because it was getting in the way of his megalomaniac rule, this desire to spread his kingdom further south into Egypt. His lust for power, his control and his fame put put him in this constant position of endless pressure to succeed. I don't know if any of you have ever just, you, you feel like, man, you've ju- you just got an A in this class, but that's not good enough. I got to get an A in the next one, and I've got to be better than that guy, and I've, I've got to keep climbing the ladder. So this endless pressure to be right, this endless pressure to be the best, this endless pressure to win every argument and battle, He already has one of the largest kingdoms in the world. And he's recognized as one of the most powerful kings of the world. But it couldn't satisfy the deep need of his heart for security and peace. How are you doing today with security and peace? What maybe another way to put it is what's ruling your heart today? So you might go, you might go, well, anger, well, okay, now let's, but is anger really what's ruling your heart? Or is it a desire that you're wanting something more than the Lord? I'm wanting something more than the Lord, and I want it so desperately, I'm willing to be angry to get it, if that's what's going to get it to me. me. What's ruling your heart today? The Lord, isn't it good news to know that God wants security in Him and peace from Him to rule your hearts today? And I, listen for the 15 of you or so (laughs) that, that are going, oh, that would be so good. Don't wait till the end of the sermon. Why not right now ask? God, I've been ruled by worry and fear and doubt. I've been angry in my worry. I'm an angry, depressed person. Could you restore peace and security to my heart today in knowing the God who knows all things? and controls all things by His sovereign grace. Because security and peace can only come from being in a right relationship with God. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ in a personal and saving and life-changing and life-giving way, the Lord would love to invite you to put your faith in what Christ did for you on the cross when He was punished in your place for the sins you committed so that he, you could be forgiven and declared righteous with all of the obedience that he did. And he wants to give it to your account. Amazing story, isn't it? Well, Nebuchadnezzar's pride and arrogance is rooted in massive insecurity. You see a proud person, everybody? They're, they're probably one of the most insecure people you'll ever meet. There's roller coaster emotional swings that go with this kind of a life. He's double minded in his religious views, depending on which religion is going to get him what he wanted. Like it has done to so many of them before him and after him, sleep doesn't always come easy when worry and fear are ruling your life. And if that was not bad enough, Nebuchadnezzar, when he does get to sleep, he's having this dream that's making sleeping almost impossible because it's not only scaring the dickens out of him. What are dickens, anyway? Pants? Are, are dickens pants? Well, I'm sorry. Talk to me afterwards. <laughs> I'm sorry. But th- this is not only frightening him. It's, it's Here's the big deal. It's threatening his future. It's getting in the way of what he wants. And he has no clue of what it means. So he calls his key leaders to come to him. But not just any leaders. He calls leaders who were supposed to serve the king by interpreting dreams. Now lest we kind of just take you know, our United States tendency to be arrogant. Sinful. T- I don't want to just say it's United States. Um, dreams were a big deal. Uh, and really still are a big deal in pagan religions. Because they're considered to be shadows of the future given by pagan gods. So you saw noted here. So he calls magicians, enchanters, sorcerers. And then really the key note seems to fall on the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans, guys, are not just an ethnicity. They indeed are that. They were a people that lived in in a a, a section of the Babylonian Empire. But it was also a social class of people. They were highly educated astronomers, astrologers, and historians. And they had books on dream interpretation based upon prior dreams of other kings and rulers, and they use those dreams and the interpretations that came out then as sort of a template to put on, okay, that's why these guys are saying, just give us the dream, King. Give us the dream. We'll just go to our encyclopedias and 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 we'll get, we'll bring you an interpretation. They studied history and economics and astrology and they, they watched trends in, in society and they sought to, to use those trends as a way of maybe explaining what may be happening in the future. As strange as it might sound to us, these men were essentially like national security advisors. They're helping understand, under, under, help us. Un, it really helps us understand why Nebuchadnezzar would be giving such an unreasonable command to these guys. He tells them he had a dream, his spirit is troubled, It it, it seems to be threatening his future, um, and he's seeking peace in knowing the future rather than in knowing the God who knows and controls the future. You see, that's where I... I'm, I'm way too much like Nebuchadnezzar. Just give me an answer. Just tell me the future, and I'll be okay. Do you know, really, that comes from a very arrogant heart. You know, we're so arrogant that even if God showed us what his plan for our life was in the next five years, we would probably have some problems with it. Because it's going to involve some suffering. It's going to involve cross-carrying. It's going to involve denying yourself. And we're going to have some struggles about the way that God has to get us where we need to go. In fact, some of us would probably suggest a few shortcuts to get there. You guys, knowing answers to problems because of the continuing doctrine of sin that we still have to fight, the war between the spirit and the flesh, we're so proud. Let's humble ourselves this morning to say, God, even knowing the answers is not going to be what my, my heart most needs knowing you will be what my heart most needs. So they respond. These guys are a bunch of brown nosers. Oh, king, live forever. <laughs> right? Well, flattery is not going to get him anywhere. Um, and This isn't helpful because the, even the dream itself is communicating he's not going to live forever then tell him again tell the dream to your servants and Nebuchadnezzar is already insecure he's already fearful of losing control he's already fearful of this dream being so vivid because it involved this massive statue that, that seemed indestructible and yet it, it was torn down really by this little tiny stone and he gives them the impossible assignment so I'm not going to tell you the dream You tell me the dream and the interpretation. And if you don't, you're going to be torn limb from limb and your house is destroyed. He's like so many people in life. Because he's not at peace with God, he's not at peace with other people. Guys, quit blaming other people. Where are you not at peace with God? Wherever you're not at peace with God, you're going you're to be at odds with people. That's why God loves to bless us with his peace. So we can be peacemakers, not peace breakers with people. Have you been there? You're not finding your rest or your identity in Christ and your, and your relationship with Christ, but your heart's being ruled by insecurity. You want to be accepted by others. You, 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 you want to main control, maintain control of your world. You don't want to be hurt again, which is the one reason people want to stay in control. They think somehow that's going to keep me from being hurt. And so if others are going to be in relationship with you, they have to follow your rules, they have to conform to your desires, or you will threaten them with this. I'll unfriend you. But isn't that what Nebuchadnezzar's doing? I need answers. And you conform to what I want, when I want it. I, or I won't just unfriend you. I'll unlimb you. I'll tear you from limb to limb. Put the shoe on the other foot. How should you respond biblically to people who are irrational? <laughs> okay, so here's, here's Nebuchadnezzar in all of his pride-drenched sin and arrogance. How about the person who wants to serve the Lord... And it just seems like your world is surrounded with Nebuchadnezzar's. It's like, why is it that I seem to be surrounded with people who are so emotional, such emotional roller coasters, unstable, control freaks, insecure, threatening? Because that's what Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego needed to do, right? So verse six, so tell me the dream and tell me the interpretation and I'll give you great rewards. And they said again, please tell us the dream. We'll be happy to interpret it. And he just gets more mad. You're just making excuses in order to gain more time. So you can wiggle out of this. You're already filled with lies and corrupt words. I'll tell you, Oh man, Lord, please make me more like Jesus and less like Nebuchadnezzar. Do you ever do that with people? Do you ever expect the worst of people? I mean, he's already expecting the worst of people. My precious wife is such a gift to me. She's constantly saying, "Are you? What are you making? You're making assumptions about what this person is thinking." should we assume the best unless until you have objective evidence? To the contrary, and even then take up your cross. I've got a good wife, don't I? Well, no man on earth can answer the king's command, they say. No other great or powerful king has asked such a thing of, of his wise men. This is too difficult in verse 11. No one can show it to the king except the gods, and they don't dwell with man. The gods of Babylon were, were manipulative. So these man-made gods, right? They're manipulative. They're hard to please. They require you to pay the price for your sins in order to be right with them. And they're distant. They're too good to defile themselves and bend down to help people, to rescue people, and to love people. And this is where I'm hoping you already started breathing the sweet, fresh air of the gospel. Knowing the unknown, knowing and controlling the future, and drawing near to people to reveal his heart and plan for them was impossible for pagan false gods. But doesn't it sound exactly like our God? He knows and controls the future. And he doesn't stay in heaven. He actually draws near to those who love him. To reveal what they need to know, when they need to know it. To give them grace, to walk in obedience, even though life is hard. Sounds a little bit like Jesus, doesn't it? Well, that wasn't just coming in the New Testament. These gospel shadows were, were alive and well in every Old Testament book. Look at what we've got here. Certain judgment and death await those who do not keep the king's command. that sounds a little bit like what all of us face unable to save themselves and they will perish unless the one true God who knows and controls the future draws near to save his people from judgment by his sovereign grace Isn't it great to know that God's already been communicating this? Look at your notes, Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. All of the Babylonian magicians and enchanters and Chaldeans, they, hadn't, they don't even have a category of a God who would humble himself and come down. Wow. So verse 12, Nebuchadnezzar continues and he says, I'll not only kill those of you in this room. Talk about lack of proportion in, in his life. <laughs> I will kill all the wise men of my kingdom. So how does Daniel respond to a threatening future. Second point is to know and trust the God who knows and controls the future. Verse 13, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're facing the the threat of death. They They haven't done anything wrong. They've only sought to glorify God in the way they served others in Babylon, even when it meant resisting the king and not compromising their faith or their obedience to God. And even though they were proven to be ten times better than all of the rest of the enchanters and magicians and, and uh, wise men, they're still living with targets on their back. But Daniel did not think that obeying God should result in his best life now. Guys, I don't know if, if you're there. The, the world keeps trying to, to infiltrate our faith with worldly ideas. And Living an obedient life does not mean you're going to have a safe life. Safety's overrated, guys. Living an obedient life, I mean, look at our Savior. Perfect obedience led to the cross. So please don't complain and grumble when you've just gotten through one trial and now God has positioned you for another one. To strengthen your faith and to make you shine as a light in the darkness. Your Savior walked that road in front of you, and He'll walk with you every step of the way. He was living on mission for God in a broken and sinful world. A God that needed a world that needed God's mercy in order to be saved. Which means that God's people have to endure many trials. And God puts His people in hard places because that's where unbelievers are. Christians get cancer because unbelievers get cancer. Christians go to heaven when they die. Unbelievers go to judgment if they don't repent and turn in faith to Jesus. Guys, we're living in a fragile world. It's like a breath. And we're to be living it for the glory and purposes of God, extending his kingdom to all peoples globally and locally both. Verse 14, so then says, Dan. so, so get this, knock at your door for a few people that were just dozing off. That's why, preacher, that's why preachers do that, right? Nothing not why I was doing that. You get a knock at the door, and you know you you just finished a nice cup of coffee, and there at the door, "Hi, I'm the executioner." What's your first response? What'd you say, Dave? What did what, what did I do? <laughs> That's good. That's good. What did I do? You're more noble than I am, buddy. I wouldn't even talk to the dude. I'm finding the back door. Look at what the scripture says, how these guys responded. Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. Okay, be honest with me. How many of you in this room have ever prayed for prudence and discretion? (laughs) Top of my list, top of my list. I want prudence and discretion. It really should be at the top of our list. It's knowing how to wisely and biblically and patiently and carefully honor God with with the threat even of my life. God, how can I respond in a way that honors you? And how can I respond in a way that helps even the executioner see that God is merciful to save He responds with prudence and patience. Well, where do you get prudence and patience from? Do you, can you study? Can you take a class in college for prudence and, and, and discretion? In in especially when especially when your world the bottom has fallen out of your world. Um, where does it come from? <laughs> Here we go. You ready? It comes from knowing the God who knows and controls. All things by his sovereign grace. Look at Isaiah 26:3. Isn't this good? You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. That's, that's how he responded in prudence and discretion, because his mind was on the Lord, his meditation is on the Lord. He understands God is ruling over... Was it Spurgeon, Brad? Was it Spurgeon that said God rules over... There's no rogue molecule outside the Lord's control. God rules and reigns over all. And He gives sovereign grace to His people. That's where this prudence and and discretion came from. And so He says, "So, So tell me more. Please help me understand what's happening... And then Daniel doesn't send a text. <laughs> he doesn't do a direct message. He goes to have a face-to-face with Nebuchadnezzar. And get this, he says, King, appoint a time for me to come to tell you the dream and the interpretation. I, when you read that, I don't. I, what do you think? Wasn't that a presumptuous guy? Wasn't that kind of presumptuous? Daniel, you don't... He didn't have the the dream and the interpretation at this point. Was that a little arrogant to say that? No. You know why? Because Daniel knew the God who knows and controls all things. And exercises sovereign grace for his people. Daniel knows his God is a merciful God who desires that none perish. But that all would come to a knowledge of him. That's, that's the kind of God Daniel knows. So Daniel did not turn to Babylonian interpretation books. Daniel turns to fellowship and prayer with other believers. And so he goes to Hananias. So the, this, this, the Bible is so fascinating. So notice it does not say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It doesn't use their Babylonian names here. Right? Notice, he says, he turns to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. It's the use of their Hebrew names. Why? Because that's what, listen, that's what fellowship together is supposed to do. What they're doing is they're getting together and, 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 and their Hebrew names have amazing and wonderful meaning. They're reminding them of their identity as believers. They're reminding each other, Dave, isn't it cool? Dave, we're worshiping God. We sang the gospel today. Dave, isn't it cool that we belong to God? That He paid the highest price in his, the blood of His Son to make us His people. Dave, isn't it great that we are not our own, but our lives are sovereignly and fatherly cared for by the King of kings and Lord of lords? And Dave says, amen. amen. And all you other Daves out there, That's Listen, that's what breaks my heart. You know how many believers stay away from fellowship and and they're being more and more conformed to Babylonian ideas and thoughts because they're not with the believers. They're not remembering who they are in Christ. They're not remembering how loved they are by Christ. They're not remembering the high price Christ paid to not just save them, but sustain them. Their names mean God is just. God is our help. That's what one of their names means. God is our deliverer. There is no one like the Lord. So to take a stand, we've got to stand with God's people. You, you will never take a biblical, merciful, courageous, faith-drenched stand in your personal life if you're not standing with other believers. You just are not gonna. Vanessa, love the you know the uh, redwood illustration. In fact, can I willow and aspen? Can you come help me? I won't embarrass you, but I really need you. So, if you didn't hear this, this illustration. <laughs> I am always so self-deceived. Sure, I can preach 49 verses. Come on up, girls. <laughs> Come on up. So so the three of us are now redwoods, okay? And um, so here's the story. Did you know that these redwoods, Vanessa, how tall can they get? Higher than 300 feet tall. How many elephants do they weigh? 50 elephants in weight. And hear me, I'm not, I, don't, I didn't know any of this. I'm just thinking that they, they grow so tall and they last for seemingly forever because they're so strong in themselves. And that's not the story. The story is that a wise gardener, that's more than a gardener, but these trees are planted, how did you say, in groves. Their root system is pretty shallow, relatively shallow compared to other trees. They're planted in groves with a planned proximity to another tree that by itself can't stand alone. Neither can you, right? We're at Redwoods, right? And so what happens is their root systems intermingle to where it doesn't matter what kind of winds of adversity, temptation, or persecution blow. They stand firm. So girls, what did we do in youth the other day? So let's get our roots together here. (sighs) This is why we gather. This is why we gather, to go deeper in God together, not by ourselves. Aren't these the two cutest redwoods you've ever seen in your life? (laughs) Thank you girls, thank you so much, thank you so much. So, we're going close to close with this point. Don't worry. I'm not. I did, for a second, I said, Lord, could you cause it to just rain like Noah? Uh, like, uh, <laughs> And so that we can't go home anyway. So we may as well finish the sermon. So it's, it's too dangerous to drive, you guys. Turn around, don't drown. Um, don't, I'm not going to do that to you. Um, so, it wasn't just getting together, it was praying together. And Daniel tells them, seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. And and he says there, so that they might not die. Don't misunderstand that. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not trying to save their own skin. Remember, they're living by Jeremiah 29, which says, seek the welfare of, of the city that I've sent you into exile. By welfare, that, that you know, the world would say, oh yeah, see? So, so listen, you know, work hard and rise up the ladder and you can get pros- prosperous. And No. Seek the eternal welfare of the city that I've sent you into exile. Because we're exiles, right? We're exiles. We're living in a strange and fallen and foreign land. And God has kept us here to live on mission for his glory and to reach as many people as we can possibly reach with the gospel. So that's what we're living for. So Daniel and and these guys are praying, Dear Lord, would you give us mercy here so that we can continue being witnesses of the one true God in this horrible place of exile? Again, I wish I knew how to pray more like that. I'm constantly worrying about my own skin. God, if you're going to give me... If you're going to give me another day on earth, could it just be so I can be a witness one more day for you? Amen. 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 Part two. Next week, Alan, would you come? I'm sorry, guys. I was trying to get this in one day. I, I'm sorry. Would you read the the remainder of the chapter for next Sunday? And really focus in on the prayer. Because really the prayer is as much a declaration of the character of God as it is a prayer. It's it's mainly remembering all that the Lord is. It's mainly meant to teach us to know the one who knows and controls all things by his sovereign grace. That's, That's the main point of it. And don't get messed up by the dream, okay? Uh, We'll talk about the dream. If anything, just take out of it that there is no earthly power that is permanent on this earth. That Jesus has come to invite us into the only eternal kingdom that will endure forever, okay? Well, Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for being a God who in all of your holiness and power and might humble yourself and come near to your people all of whom are under judgment because of breaking the commands of the king. And we're so thankful God that you sent your only begotten son to draw near to us, to live the life that we could not live during his 33 some years on earth. Die the death that we should have died so that by faith we too could become children of God by putting our faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. So Lord, for me, I need to pray. Would you please help me to be less like Nebuchadnezzar. And if I'm going to be like Daniel, would you help me be like Daniel in better knowing the God who knows and controls all things by his sovereign grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.